hope you are doing well and that you're finding ways to be fruitful in the pandemic. I might have said this before last week, but um, in our house, we are no longer praying for the end to the pandemic. Um, just because throughout church history, the church has gone through all kinds of stuff. And it's good to pray for something to be over, but Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but he gives us, he gives us his peace. And so beyond uh, just an end to our troubles, we're praying to be fruitful in every circumstance, and fruitful at all times. And of course, to be fruitful, John 15, Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And so, above all things, uh, I hope I hope that you are abiding in Christ. And I mean, He promised that that's how it works. If, if, as we abide in Him, we will bear much fruit. So, pandemic or no pandemic, uh, thunderstorm, flood, earthquake, um, whatever, abiding in Him is how we bear fruit, and that's that is. Uh, universal it's a universal truth across all all of church history and all time well today we're in Matthew 13 and Jesus just does a whole lot of teaching about the kingdom of heaven and he it is all in parables and then he also explains why he speaks in parables so you get that insight sort of commentary Jesus's commentary on himself and why he's doing things the way he does them there's a couple ways that we can look at this. We can, we can dissect them and pick them apart and really try to come up with a whole bunch of doctrines and a whole bunch of rules and a whole bunch of um, guidelines of how we should live from it. But what I've been doing this week is just really admiring Jesus and really appreciating Him, how He teaches, what He teaches, and his his motivation for teaching it and just his holiness really making Jesus the point of the parables not making the point of okay now what should I do about that um, maybe what we should do about it is love Jesus so with that he starts Matthew 13 he gives there's a couple parables in here uh, there's not a lot of times this happens but Jesus explains what the parable means. And so he gives it, and everybody's confused, and then he, he, he gives an explanation. And sometimes the explanation is helpful and really clear, and sometimes it's kind of another parable on a parable. That same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the sea. Great crowds gathered about him, and he got into a boat and sat down. A whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. 
So it's the parable of the sower, right? Four different kinds of soil as the sower, you know, they, they didn't have John Deere. Um, they would just throw the seeds and, and I mean, the, there was skill to it and there was purpose, but still it was really um, just out there. And so a lot of people would know exactly what he's talking about. Oh yeah, if it, stuff grows on the road, it, it, it isn't going to last long, right? Well, I'm going to skip down to verse 18 because that's where he explains what the parable means. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So the seed that fell on the path is somebody that didn't understand what was being told to them. And the evil one comes and snatches it away, takes it away so it doesn't even grow. You may have seen this happen when you talk to somebody or um, you, you, you talk about Jesus to someone, you talk about the Bible to somebody. Maybe it's happened to you where you, you hear a sermon or you read your Bible or you have a prayer time and, and you just don't get it and within 20 minutes you've totally forgotten what it, what it was even about because um, you might not have under... If people don't understand it and really process it, then it's not going to stay, right? A long time ago, I met with this guy, and we'd have a Bible study, and he would write out all of his Bible study. And I said, man, what do you, why do you do that? And he's like, that's how I know that I understand it. If I write out what I read, and I write out what I think about it, that's how I know I'm understanding it. And I thought, that's exactly what this is. This is, you know, really trying to understand it, making an effort to understand it. When we drive home from church, we don't, in the car ride home, the only thing we talk about is our experience at church. We don't talk about where we're going next. We don't talk about what our plans are for Thursday. We just say, you know, what did you guys talk about in Sunday school? What did you guys talk about at church today? What did you get out? What's the Holy Spirit telling you from any of the songs that we sung today at church? And we try to go over it, to understand it, to know it, to think on it more. You, we got the whole week to talk about the week. Uh, what what a great way to, to deepen your understanding when it's fresh in your mind to talk about it, right? As for what is sown on the rock, this is verse 20. As for what is sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This is a person that's super excited, and they hear it, and it's great. But they don't have any system in their lives to have any staying power for it, and any way to stick with it. Um, or they don't have any depth. I, I went to a retreat one time, and on Friday night, it was a weekend retreat, and the opening guy, he said, there were a bunch of pastors there and a bunch of church leaders, and he said, um, what we're going to talk about this weekend I don't want you to tell anybody for 18 months. I don't want you to reteach this stuff because we're going to hear really good stuff and I don't want you to go back to your churches next Sunday and try to preach it because you, you won't have the depth of it. Um, so keep it a secret for 18 months and live it out and understand it before you preach it. That is exactly the opposite of this, right? Um, 
to go out and be really excited about whatever you heard and not have any depth of it, not not make it your own. Um, I think it was Chuck Missler. It was Chuck Missler who was a big Calvary Chapel preacher, and he would say in every sermon, test everything I just said. Take everything I said um, through the scriptures and test, test every teaching I give you. And when you do that, you understand it more. You get some roots on that stuff because you're it's okay to question what the pastor's preaching you you should do that um, because all we're going to do is grow in the scripture and grow in understanding of the Lord right especially if gosh can you imagine what churches would be like if every time somebody disagreed with the pastor they would have a conversation uh, to grow instead of you know gossiping and backbiting and undercutting and all that that would be beautiful so they have no root and when persecution comes they fall away as for what is sown among thorns this is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful so this is the person that that hears and and believes and wants to follow Jesus and love Jesus and wow this has changed my life but I still love my power. I still love my, my comfort and my riches. Uh, I still love being able to control people with my high position. You know, it comes in different forms. Worries, they might, worries of the world. Um, they might want to follow Jesus and want to believe in Jesus, but they're so choked off by fear. Fear of circumstances, fear of what they see on the news every day that, um, that they can't live faithfully for Jesus if they're all bound up in fear. The worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it provides proves unfruitful. Um, this is this would be any anybody that was a Christian but but wasn't doing anything about it because they were afraid or because they loved their riches, right? That's what this is. Now listen to this last one. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Can you imagine yielding, so as in the fruit of your life, a hundredfold? A hundredfold, like that, that the work of your life, that a hundred people would be influenced and provoked to believe in Jesus because of your actions, because of your faith. Can you imagine 60 or 30? I mean, even one would be awesome, right? But that's not a list on here because it doesn't work that way. Yeah. The power of God is salvation for the lost. And when people see the power of God in action, when they see that God really loves them because you love them, they believe and they tell other people and they tell other people and it's contagious. It really is. We... um, there's a there's a Persian proverb that says good perfume needs no advertisement 
that if it smells good, you don't have to advertise it. People are going to want to buy it. And uh, we have this at our at our farm stand. People, they call their sisters, they call their auntie, they call all over the place um, because we got the best greens in town. And people just come, we say, how'd you find out about us? Oh, my mom called me. Oh, my sister called me. Oh, my dad told me to come by here. Um, because it's good. People want to talk about it. And as we follow Jesus and as we live for him, we bear fruit. And it really does happen. And, uh, you know, just like I said earlier, John 15, if you abide in him, you'll bear much fruit. It's not a grunting work. It's not, uh, ooh, I just need to do this and, and I have this obligation and, and I don't want you to feel any, any condemnation um, from any of this. But if we abide in him, we bear fruit and it happens. And it really does. And we might not even notice it. We might not even see it. So you've got this seed sown on four different kinds of soil. And some people read this and they feel helpless. Like, I, I, I can't control what kind of soil I'm, I am. I can't control what I do. And that's not true. Um, you, you do have a lot of control. Just like I said earlier about understanding. How much of this he said, it's about people understanding. And... The Bible is this wonderful thing that, that God loves to help you understand it. He really desires for you to understand His Word. And the thing, I'm going to ruin it, the point of all the parables is to run towards Jesus. Um, every parable He told was so that people would draw near to Him to ask Him more questions and to seek Him more. You know, like when a kid has a birthday which Isaac is 20 today, okay? He's not doing this. I'm not talking about him. But when you're 10 and you have a birthday and you have your birthday list, you seek after it, right? And every time you go to Target, you want to go to the toy aisle and see if they have all the things that are on your list just so you can look at them. And if you're kind of thinking about buying uh, a 2015 Nissan Maxima in dark blue, you suddenly you're looking everywhere you see a Nissan Maxima in dark blue and you're looking for them and you're kind of seeking them out well Jesus knows that about our hearts he knows that about our character and the way we're wired that we seek after things and the more we seek after it the more we want to know about it and the more we want it and so he, he encourages us to seek after him that's why he gives these parables. And it's why so much is resting on understanding. If you don't understand it, you go to the source and try to figure it out. And you keep trying to figure it out, and you keep trying to figure it out. And the more you seek him, the more you want him, the more he teaches you, it's awesome. It just keeps going. So let's skip back. Here's why Jesus, Jesus' own explanation of parables, which I just summed up, I think. This is verse 10. When the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak in parables? He said, To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak in parables. Because seeing they don't see, and hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. 
And then he quotes Isaiah. You'll hear but not understand. You'll see but you won't perceive it. Why, why would Jesus talk in a way that people wouldn't understand? Because he wants to show people what they are on the inside. He wants them to be stuff to be revealed to them in a deeper way than a law or a rule or just a directions could ever be. He says, this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears, they can barely hear. With their eyes, they have closed. Otherwise, they'd see with their eyes and hear with their ears. They would understand with their heart, and I would, they would turn, and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and didn't see it. Jesus is saying, all these people's hearts are hardened. And they don't want to hear from God. And they they don't want to understand God. But they think they do. And they think they're very religious and very righteous. And so he's going to show them their hard-heartedness. So when, um, when Jesus tells a parable, and you've got these sinners and tax collectors... They're looking at Jesus and they're like, tell us more. Explain that to us. They want to grow. When the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the scribes hear him teach a parable, they're like, he doesn't make any sense. He's demon-possessed. I don't want to listen to him. And right there, it's showing who's got the hard heart and who wants to grow in God. That right there is a caution for us, right? When we hear something... Are we blowing it off? Uh, I don't know. Bunch of nonsense. Or are we hearing it and saying, is that true? doesn't mean we're believing it, right? It means we're seeking understanding. We're seeking to understand God better. And I I had a mentor, and he really helped me out a lot with this. Um, I would go to different churches, and I'd be so aggravated and so mad. And, and it just didn't sit right. And... Uh, I told him about it, and he said, well, that's because you don't know why you're mad. If you knew why you were mad, you wouldn't actually be mad. I was like, okay. And he said, when there's something that makes you frustrated or aggravated in the church or in the world, wherever, take it to the scripture and see what the scripture says about that. And then you'll know, well, it's, I don't need to get mad about it. That's just wrong. And all of a sudden, it's easy, right? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm helping the boys work on their bikes. And when they take that wrench and they try to loosen up a bolt by twisting it to the right, I don't get mad at them. It's just the wrong way to turn it. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, right? Um, so if you know the truth and you can hold the truth up to something, there's no drama. There's no controversy about it. It's when we don't know what the truth is and we it doesn't sit right and we don't like it or whatever. We go by our preferences. That's when we get upset. So what Jesus is saying is he's unleashing the truth and the people that are really sincere about God and want to grow in him are going to show that they have soft hearts and they want to gain understanding. And the people that are hardened, that don't want to hear, that don't want to listen, they're going to be exposed to, and they're not going to listen. 
So in that context, in that context of a parable is here to help the people that want to understand get more and the people that don't want to understand get shown for who they are, he tells another parable. The kingdom of heaven will be compared to a man who went and sowed seed in his field. He's still farming here. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds came up also. The servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, didn't you buy good seed? How does it so full of weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather in all the weeds? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. A little bit later, Jesus explains this same parable. This is verse 37, uh, Matthew 13, 37. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. So think about the implications of this. You know, we can complain about all the evil in the world, all the terrible things that are happening. Uh, that's exactly the way Jesus describes it in this parable. That the weeds and the wheat are going to grow up together. It says in the Psalms that he sends rain and sunshine on the righteous and the wicked. See, this, it's so cool how Jesus teaches this stuff because this same thing happened in our garden. Um, stuff was coming up and somebody said you know what do we need to do today and the volunteers said um, they told the volunteers you guys are going to do weeding and you're going to take the suckers off of the tomato plants and um, so they went through and and there's stuff growing and they pulled up the stuff that was growing that wasn't tomatoes but we had basil planted all in the middle of all of the tomatoes and so all the basil got pulled up, and uh, whoops, that wasn't a weed, right? Accidental. And then suckers are um, when a when a tomato grows, you know, you got the main vine, and then you got the leaves coming off, and then sometimes a little thing will grow out here that's trying to become another vine, and that's the sucker. Well, the, they didn't know that, so they thought suckers were just all the little leaves that come off of the bottom of the vine. And so they cut off all the, the bottom leaves until it got up to where there were tomatoes. It was perfect. It was a per I mean, nothing got hurt. It, we fixed it all in real life. No big deal. But this parable is a perfect picture of that. That God 
loves the saints so much that he doesn't want to hurt them by bringing some kind of partial wrath or early wrath on the people that are against him. This blows away any kind of idea that, uh, you know, if, if somebody says that Haiti got all these hurricanes because of their evil, or those people's house got hit by a tornado because they're evil, well, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, the Bible says that God's not bringing wrath on people because he wants to not hurt his saints. And so, why the tornado hit that house? Why the hurricane hit Haiti? I don't know, but it's not because of God's wrath. Because God doesn't want to accidentally hurt the righteous people during the wrath. So all that's going to come at the end. Not now. It's not, it's not because of God's wrath that that stuff happens. Pretty wild, huh? Pretty wild at just how parables of Jesus talk about the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, you don't want to overread stuff into it because in this parable, there's weeds choking it off. In the last parable, you didn't want the weeds choking it off. But if you stick just within the context of the parable, um, you'll, be, you'll be safe. He goes into a bunch of other parables here, and I'm going to fly through a bunch of them. Um, he talks about the mustard seed and the yeast. Those kind of go together. Kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants. He's encouraging them. The kingdom of heaven, it looks like it's this little bitty thing, but it grows into this huge thing, and the, the birds of the air can come and make the, their nest in its branches. There's one commentator that says that these birds are like the Gentiles and that even even people that aren't participating in the kingdom of heaven benefit from it. Just like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to advance the kingdom of heaven in my neighborhood and so I do things like clean my street, you know, mow my grass, give my neighbors vegetables. That benefits everybody, whether they're a believer or not. The tree, the birds make their nests in the, this mustard bush, whether they're part of it or not. The, the benefits are there. <clears throat> also an encouragement, little things spread. It's like a woman <clears throat> took and hid three measures of flour, <clears throat> took a little bit of yeast, put it into flour, this three measures would make enough. This amount of bread was like a bread for a hundred people. You know, how much yeast do you need for a little bit, a little bit of yeast for a ton of bread? Little, little things we do. We just abide in Jesus. We do little things. It blows up into big deals, right? <clears throat> Some of these are for our own motivation. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This, uh, you know, it's, it's all about an exchange. The kingdom of heaven is full of exchanges. 
You give this up and God gives you this kind of thing. God makes all these promises of exchange. The kingdom of heaven is like finding something, finding an incredible deal. And a deal so good that you would sell everything else to get that deal. I don't know if this has happened to you. I mean, this has happened to me where, you know, you're browsing a store and I go and I check out the clearance and there's something that's marked down like 75%. You're like, I've been wanting one of these. I couldn't ever afford it. And here it is 75% off. I I have, uh, can I, can I just eat peanut butter and jelly for a week? Um, What, what can I do? You know, it's a, this is my, my time of entitlement because it's between Father's Day and my birthday. And so I'm maneuvering when I, I oh, I got to have that. Can, can I get that and it count as my Father's Day present? Can I get that and it count as my birthday present, right? The kingdom of heaven is like finding this incredible deal for this really valuable thing that you want so bad that you would sell everything you could sell to buy it. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. You know, I talked earlier about the point of these parables and and you can make them instructions and rules. This is one of those that's really good to just take for a week and every day go over. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that I would sell everything to buy. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl, that if I was a pearl merchant, that is the best pearl ever. I have to have it. I will sell my car and ride the bus if I can buy that pearl. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Think every day, kingdom of heaven is like that. And all of a sudden, Jesus will transform you from the inside out and you will love the kingdom and you will love him. See, it's not about following a bunch of rules. It's about letting Jesus, how do we set ourselves up for Jesus to transform us? There's a way. Kingdom of heaven is like a net. So this goes back to the wheat and the the wheat and the weeds. A net that was thrown into the sea gathered fish of every kind. At the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. They're going to be separated. There's a judgment. But until then, in the net are all the good fish and the bad fish. We're all here. We're among people that hate Jesus and hate God. Um, And we, we have to live that way. We have to live among them. We can't be separated from them. Last thing here. He tells all these parables. And all of the people hear him. This is down in verse uh, 54. Came to his hometown. He taught in their synagogue, so they were astonished. They were astonished. Where did he get this wisdom and these mighty works? So they're acknowledging, yes, he has wisdom. You could read through these parables and acknowledge these are great ways to describe the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is great. I want, I want to 
be a part of that. But then they say, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mom Mary? Aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And aren't all of his sisters over here? Like we know his whole family. Who is this guy? He's no big deal. They took offense at him. So instead of looking at the wisdom, instead of really considering what Jesus had to say for what it was, they considered the person. And they totally discounted him and didn't pay any attention to him. Didn't think he had any power. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus left. He didn't force himself on them. He didn't bring down fire and say, Oh, you know, there's no weeds and wheat here. Y'all are all a bunch of weeds. Boom! He didn't. But he also didn't show off his greatness. He, they didn't want it. And uh, he didn't force it on them. And again, it's that whole seeking understanding, wanting to grow, look at the kingdom of heaven, and, and trying to find more ways to understand it. You know, do we discuss it with our friends? Do we talk it over? Do we ask questions? And, um, and when we ask questions, are we open to the answer? Are we ready to hear what the answer is? These folks weren't. They didn't want to listen to Jesus. He's a Nazarene just like they were. Why is, why is he a big shot? You know, this is the same thing they said to Moses. Why is Moses our leader? Why is he special? And they totally didn't hear or see all the great stuff God was doing. And they were people that had their eyes open and didn't see, right? They had their ears open, but they didn't hear. And it just, it just showed that off even more. So this week, as you go, think about the kingdom of heaven. Because it's among you. You're in it. You're a part of it. It's Jesus. Jesus is the kingdom of heaven himself, right? And all who are in him are a part of that kingdom. And if you read through these parables and you think, that's not true. That, it doesn't feel like that. Tell Jesus. Tell him and ask to show you how it's true. Jesus, show me how your kingdom is like a treasure that I would sell everything to have. Show me how your kingdom is like a little bitty bit of yeast that works through so much. Show me how you, your kingdom is like a seed that on fertile soil yields a hundred times as much. I, we got a dandelion one time just out of curiosity and after it turned into a puffball, pulled off all the seeds and counted how many seeds are on a dandelion. There's a hundred seeds. It's about, I mean, I'm sure that it varies, right? But there's a, an average of a hundred seeds on a dandelion. So one of those seeds can go and grow. And you know when a dandelion grows, it doesn't just send up one flower, right? It sends up a whole bunch. And if every one of those flowers is a hundred seeds, Jesus says, you in the kingdom of heaven, that's how fruitful you are. You bear 30, 60, even 100 times what you are. Jesus wants to do that. He wants to help us understand. He wants to help us grow. Not with a want of a 
uh, aggravated math teacher. Um, I speak from experience. Uh, but he speaks from, oh, oh, child of God. Oh, my child. I'm so excited for you to grow in this. That's, that's how God looks at us. That's what Jesus is saying to us. He says in Hebrews, he's continually interceding before the Father for us. Jesus is always saying to God the Father, yes, help them, help them learn more. I died, for, oh, don't count that sin, I died for that sin. Help them to know you more. Help them to grow. So, God bless your week as that happens.